guys, this is Pastor Justin Bowers, and you are listening to the New Community Podcast. Uh, We're thrilled that you're listening today, and we hope that this is a great experience for you. I wanted to let you know that you can support the work of New Community and all that God is doing down here in West Virginia by going to New Community WV and then clicking on the Give tab. Uh, We would love to have your support, and we would be excited that you would journey with us in all that God has called us to, to be a people finding and following Jesus beyond Sundays. Enjoy the podcast. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in today because I don't have a lot of time and I, I, there's some stuff that I want to share with you. Uh, we started this series last week called Intentional and and basically what we're doing over the course of these four weeks is looking at four tensions in life that I believe we need to actually make sure we're stepping towards on purpose. Right. So we kind of made the point last week that tension isn't something to be avoided. It's actually something to be engaged because that's where we grow the most. Right. That's where learning goes up. That's where transformation goes up. It is when we get to places where we're a little bit uncomfortable and and God has the freedom to work in our lives. So last week we talked about um, the inward tension, right? So everybody, we're going to practice arrows today. So I want you to just take your fingers and you're just going to point them at each other. This is the inward arrow. One's going to go forward. I'm just kidding. That's the game that kids play. Um, But today, so the inward arrow was all about having the wisdom and the ability and the courage to actually look at your heart. If you missed that that, that week, I would encourage you, go get the podcast and check it out because everything builds on itself this series. Today, I want you to take your fingers and you're just put them them together. You can move in one direction, right? That's what I want you to do because we are going withward today. This is a a direction that I made up. It's actually going together towards somewhere because when we have the courage to go inward, it actually calls us to go with other people, right? Those things are directly tied together. So I want to start into this passage in Ephesians 4 where we're going to kind of live for the next three weeks. Ephesians 4 verse 1, this is what we read last week. Let's, let's look at this together. Verse 1, here's what it says. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Now, I want you to understand the word prisoner there is the Greek word desmios, and that's going to be important in just a minute, but it's, it's actually this idea of being held captive, being bound up to something, that we are God's captives. We are going to live into what God has for us. And where we started last week was to say this verse that Paul writes in this chapter of Ephesians is really a call out to the church. He's really saying, listen, this is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to be people who follow Christ. So this is the centerpiece that in these tensions that we're talking about, I want to urge you to live worthy because I believe so many of us actually live unworthy, me included. And what I mean by that is not about sin. Sin is is kind of the natural overflow of our unworthiness. But unworthiness is when we just float through life thinking that if we just believe in our head, Jesus is Lord, that's enough. That's really what God's goal was when it never was. God's goal was always that we would be called into a life. Paul doesn't say, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to attend church really regularly in the fall and spring. He doesn't say that. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Now look at verse 2. This is where it gets real today about going with each other in this withward direction. Verse 2. Be completely, it would be nice if he took that completely out. Be completely humble 
and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he says, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. There's so much to this passage that I want to pull out for you that I don't have time for today. But I want to give you a couple things about what it means to go with each other, to go with word as we ourselves exist in the church. If you don't grab this yet, I want you to grab this. We talk a lot in new community about being a community. Amen. We talk a lot about that. If I wanted to have people who weren't really sharing community with each other, when we planted this church, I would have called it new life or new individuals or new isolated American white people or new, like, I don't know, we could have called it something else, but we didn't do that. We called it new community because I believe that's fundamentally how God created us, that the overflow of the Christian life is to walk with other people towards the thing God, things God has called us to. And if we're not doing that, then we're missing out. There are parts of the spiritual life that you will never experience if your experience of the spiritual life is Sunday mornings alone. There are things you will never experience. And so I want to give you a couple things that I think really define this idea of walking with others in this. Here's the first thing that I would say, and these are just a few points today. First is this. Christ walks with us in love. You understand this is where this starts, right? Like the withward direction is because Christ walks with us. And when Christ walks with us, he actually embodies the virtues that Paul lays out in that first verse, verse 2, second verse, verse 2, if we can bring that up, here's what it says. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. See, the only way those things are possible, the only way Paul could say, I want you to be completely these things. Wouldn't it be nice if he said, just be a little bit humble? And every once in a while, kind of try to be gentle, right? Like, you don't have to be gentle all the time. How many of you would feel better about that? Like if I could have some moments where I rage, like that would be great, God. But he says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient. And then he says this, bear with one another in love. Now, let me just tell you how, how countercultural this was because Paul says, this is what Christ does for you. He embodies the virtues that I'm calling you to live as the church. See, humility in the Gentile Roman world was not a value. It was not a virtue. In fact, if you walked the streets of any Roman city, if you walked the streets of Ephesus, you would see the cool people, right? The status people. You know the cool lunch table? Everybody got that? Remember that? Those people were walking the streets and they were actually giving speeches all the time. That was their form of entertainment. Look at what I did and I've got this new presentation. And they would have other people walking beside them called their patrons. And the patrons were like the bottom feeders. They were like the hanger on to the shark. You know what I'm talking about? And they gathered the attention that the cool people didn't get. They just kind of were like, look, I get to hang with the cool. It was kind of like a reality show. And so as these people are walking around doing this, there was no thought of humility. There was no sense of humility as a virtue. So when Paul says, be completely humble, he's actually presenting something countercultural. And he says, listen, if you're going to be the Christian community, if you're going to live this life worthy of what God's called you to, this is the glue. The glue is humility. 
See, most of us live assuming we're right, right? But come on, let's just corporately confess here today. Most of us live our lives day to day assuming we're right. And Paul says it's the best thing you can do that you cannot maybe assume that you're wrong, but actually assume you don't know everything. Actually assume you know very little. Actually, in your community with each other, enter every relationship, every conversation, every moment, every circumstance with another brother, another sister, saying, what do I need to learn from you? What do you need to speak in to me? Can you imagine how this would shift our world if this began to happen? He says, be completely humble. And then he says, and gentle, and gentle. This is, one, one theologian said, this was actually embarrassing non-assertiveness. I love that, right? This idea of gentleness in a Roman world was the sense of settle down, just calm down and let God do what he's gonna do among you. See, we're so quick, right? Aren't we so not gentle? How many of you are just honest? I'm just not gentle, right? Like nobody today? Awesome. Three of you? Well done. So I'm just not a gentle person. If there's a problem, my role as pastor, I often feel I got to fix it, right? When I'm sitting in counseling, I got to give an answer. I got to give a solution. When my friend is hurting and I have to hug them, if they're having a moment with God, I've got to surround, what do they need? I've got to fix this, I've got to fix this. If my kids are out of line, I don't want to be gentle. I don't want to fix them. I want to get rid of them, right? Like that's, that's the non-gentleness. Not you, others. I'm talking to the parents. Okay. It's totally her. Okay, so when we talk about gentleness, we're talking again about this posture of lowering ourselves, settling down. And then he says this, and this is, this is the crazy part, right? Because th- to this point, we could say, well, I'm practicing the virtue of humility. I'm practicing the virtue of gentleness, of patience. And then he says, bearing with one another in love. This is no longer a virtue. This is a verb, amen? This is about action, This is the integration of all these virtues, humble, gentle, patience, brought to life that you would actually bear with one another. Paul actually says, listen, I know you're going to get on each other's nerves. I know you're going to have conflict, but the practice of community, the practice of going with each other is that you would choose again and again and again to bear with one another. Remember the story of Jesus and he's asked by his disciples, but how many times if my brother sins against me, should I forgive them? Seven times? Remember this story? Look at how good I am, Jesus. I'll forgive him seven times. And Jesus says 70 times seven. It's this idea of don't ever stop forgiving. Don't ever stop reconciling. Don't ever stop extending forgiveness, bearing with one another, understanding that the work of community is this work of humbleness and patience and gentleness. And then I would also say this about community, about our withward call together. Unity does not mean uniformity. Can, can we just name that? Right? The, the nature of the church, unity does not mean uniformity. See, for so long, our churches in the West have been def- divided because we assume that to be unified means we have to uniformly look the same. That we have to act the same. That we have to think the same. That can we step on some toes? That we have to vote the, the same. Are we uncomfortable yet? 
that we have to agree on everything, that we have to look the same way, that we have to be the same way. So what happens is we have churches that exist and go, well, this is who we are. And somebody comes in and, and I've lived this. Listen, I have lived this in so many settings. Well, we're going to launch a new worship service and the new worship service, and, and we won't even get into the debate of contemporary and traditional. Let's call it techno and bluegrass, right? Like, so let's get really personal here. And we're going to launch a new worship service. And suddenly you have worship wars in the church. And we go, well, that's not who we are. That's not how we function. And, and what, if, what if our African-American brothers and sisters begin to attend our church and they bring their style of worship to the table? And, and what if our Eastern European brothers and sisters come and they have three-hour church services? Can you imagine? And we actually had to spend time with each other more than an hour and 10 minutes. Like, what would we do? Because unity doesn't mean uniformity. Then we approach our community community going, it's more beautiful when we're different. It's more beautiful when it's a mosaic. If anyone should be leading conversations, listen, I, I just got to say this. If anyone should be leading cultural conversations about racial reconciliation, about racial righteousness, the church should be out front. The church should be out front today. And because you don't have the perspective of your brother or sister from another race, doesn't mean their perspective's wrong. It means you have humility, you have gentleness, you have patience, and you seek to learn, to listen, to understand, and we all get better because of that. And then here's what Paul says in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Anybody remember the word I said that Paul used for prisoner? He says, as a prisoner of the Lord. Anybody remember the Greek word? It was desmios, Right? Here's what he does. He does this wordplay. He says, I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond. Now, the bond is the Greek word sundesmios. He says, I'm a desmios, and I want you to keep the sundesmios. I want you to keep this bond together. See, unity, here's the third thing. Unity does require a commitment to this bond of peace. Now, let me say to you what we typically mean when we think about unity in the church. What we typically mean as church attenders, as pastors, as leaders, as ministry leaders, is if nobody ticks me off, then we'll be unified. That's what we typically mean. If they don't step on my toes, if they don't introduce music I don't like, if they don't do that, that's what we typically mean by the unity of the bond of peace. But this says, no, 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 unity is on you. And this leads to the why. See, th this word syndesmios is the idea of a joint, a tie, a band, or, or chain. So I want, you to, I want you to see an example of this. I brought this today because I think it's fun. You hold that. You don't really have a choice. This was supposed to be quicker. All right, so Paul says this. He says, I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of the bond of peace. You see, the bond is the peace between us. And what he's saying is sometimes to be in the church is okay, and, and it's going to feel okay. And, you know, you, your brother and sister might have some burdens that they got to carry, and they, you got to hold them up. you got to encourage them. You might have to offer counsel to them. You might have to love them, to pray for them. And, and then he says this, but sometimes, hold tight, sometimes that bond of peace is going to get tested because you know what? You're annoying. And sometimes you're going to hurt each other. I tell everybody all the time when I meet them and they come to our church and they say, you know what, I, I just, I love this church because I've been hurt by the church. You ever heard that? Maybe you've experienced that. The first thing I say is I'm probably going to hurt you too because I am a pastor, but I am imperfect. 
and I'm going to hurt you. And I want you to understand that in this church, we're committed to this bond of peace. So no matter what, we're going to hold tight to each other because this is what unity looks like, is that no matter what happens, no matter what hurt is experienced in the church, come on, you playing along? That no matter what happens, we're keeping this bond of peace. We're committed to the bond of peace because Paul says, I want you to maintain that. And now let me show you the why of where this comes from. Ephesians 2 tells us, This is the beautiful part, why you read the whole book of the Bible, not just one of them. Here's what he says just a couple chapters earlier in Ephesians 2, verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Let me tell you what Paul's writing about. In this day, Paul's writing about the Jew and Gentile divide because the Jewish people believed that they were the chosen ones. They were the ones that God had called, God had identified, God had specified. And they said, if you want to be close to God, you have to become Jewish. You have to be circumcised. You have to worship at the temple. You have to be like us. And Paul says, no, Jesus is the peace. He's the thing that broke down the dividing wall. He actually destroyed it, and he's now making the two groups one. And it says how he did this by setting aside, verse 15, in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So you know how we function a lot of times when it comes to our peace with others? You offended me. You broke the law. You hurt me. You broke me. Now you've offended me. I'm done with you. Jesus set aside the law. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in his one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Can I just say to you, if you are sitting in a worship service proclaiming the love of Christ over your life, singing about the love of Christ over your life, singing about the grace, the mercy, the death, the resurrection of Christ, but you're holding hostility towards someone else, you are missing the point of the gospel. That's what he did by dying on the cross, was eliminate hostility. And so you know why the world doesn't want to follow Jesus? Because the Christians they know are walking around in hostility. We're choosing not to reconcile. We're choosing to to, to remove ourselves from each other and worship in the same space with hate in our hearts. Can we be honest about it? Can we call this out? See, peace is more than harmony. Many of us go for harmony in our relationships. Jesus says it's peace. Peace is at work. It is the work that Christ achieved. I, I love this quote, and then I'm about done. The horizon of such peace extends beyond the local congregation to the church at large and then beyond to all things. The church is the beachhead for a peace that is to extend to the cosmos. See, I want you to understand this. When we practice reconciliation, when we practice walking with each other, even when it's hard, when we practice holding that chain, that bond of peace, we are embodying something that Christ is going to do across the world, across the universe someday at his return. We are modeling, we are fulfilling the prayer of Jesus. God, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't pray that prayer if you're not willing to go to your brother and sister and say, I've offended you, I've hurt you, you've hurt me, I want to extend forgiveness, let's make this right. Don't pray the Lord's prayer if you're not going to act on it because that's just another barrier wall. You guys with me? Is this making sense? Super easy to do, right? Here's the last part of this. The unity of the church is defined by God, not by us. This is so critical to understand. See, Paul closes this passage 
with what many think was one of the early creeds of the church. Here's what he says in verse 4. Many think that, he actually, that they, would, they would actually proclaim the, these verses as they were baptized. It was that traditional for them. That there's one body, count these, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How many were there? There were seven. Seven's the number of completion. God created the world in seven days. It's the fullness of life. These are all related to what unity looks like in the church. Some, some would, would say this was their creed because it demonstrated all that they affirmed as they walked in unity to each other. One body, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. See, this is about us surrendering to God, not waiting to see if our attitude or someone else's attitude changes. If unity in the church is based on how your attitude is going to go or my attitude is going to go, I can tell you it ain't going to work because our attitude is crap sometimes. But if we commit ourselves to the bond of peace that is Jesus Christ, then there's a submission to say, ah, I don't want to do this, but I got to act on this. I got to live this out. This is what the church looks like, what the church is. So I'm going to have Beck come we're going to get ready to play here in just a second. Um, how many of you know that church planning is an adventure? I want to update you on a couple things. <laughs> because we are called to walk with each other. This is part of what it means. Um, we've got some building information that is still, if, if, I, if I announce this communication, there would be at the end of the communication the dot, dot, dot to be continued, right? This is, this is where we are. Many of you know that we moved into this building back in February, um, came out of some other place. I don't know if you remember that place in February, but we were there. And uh, very early on, we, we were pursuing purchasing this building. Our idea was, our goal was, our prayer was to sell the property on Route 20, um, to be able to purchase this building from the landlord, and to rent until we could do that. So we began talking with banks, we began talking with, and you'll hear more about this in the congregational meeting next week, but... Um, we wanted to, to kind of update you now. We're talking with our denomination about lending, about figuring out what all this looked like. Um, it has been very slow, <laughs> painfully slow. And our denomination has approved. You, you guys, I think, all know this. If you're here on Foundation Sundays, we've been talking. Our denomination has approved a loan for us, but the loan was contingent on two things. One, our property had to sell. And two, we had to raise $60,000 of capital money. Okay. Back in late June, uh, I think it was June 27th, our, our landlord from here called us and he said, I got to raise your rent. I need to deal with some finances of my own. I got to raise your rent. And you guys are taking too long to purchase this building. <laughs> I said, well, it didn't work. So, <laughs> And he said, we're going to raise your rent. And it was, it was raised almost $1,000 a month starting the first of this month of August. So um, that was a shock that we didn't see coming. We didn't expect as a church, you know that I have, I hope you know, I hope you feel that I have never stood up here and tried to pursue your money above your faith. Um, what I also recognize is that, number one, we are a church with many, many young families with not a lot of disposable income. And number two, I think we're also a church that needs to grow in our generosity. We, both of those things can be true at the same time. Amen. I, I think that's just where we are. Um, that being said, over the past month, we as a leadership team have 
really just been praying, God, what, what do we do in this moment, right? The last thing that I want to do is move again. The last thing you want to do is move again. I think we have fatigue from that already. Um, but the other last thing I want to do is get in a financial position where our budget is just shot. We're just, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. Um, the good news is our property is uh, in a kind of a, to call it, but an agreement with the school board to be purchased. Hopefully, as they liquidate their assets, they can pull that off. Um, our renters there continue to pay above and beyond the mortgage, um, but we're in a place where we got to do something with this building, and all that we know right now, and, and actually, we're very excited about this, there is a church here in town. Um, sanctuary would allow us to move back to one service for a little bit. It's a large enough sanctuary, large enough space. Our kids would have a great place. And this church is an aging church. This is a, this is a church that is kind of about down to about 10, 15 people. Um, and they have offered, begun conversations with us about partnership in ministry. Um, here's, here's the beauty of this for me. Back on Foundation Sunday, I don't know if you guys remember, we launched the new community network, right? We're talking about what it means to start things, to strengthen things, to connect things, and, and to dream up things, right? Part of that was how could we walk beside churches in an Appalachian region that are dying? Do you know that the, the majority of churches in our region are shrinking, are dying, are declining? Um, wouldn't it be cool, we thought, if, if we could work beside these churches, if we could get over this, this territorialism that churches tend to have, you know what I mean? And actually walk in unity and say, yeah, you got different beliefs, but we're all committed to the same gospel. Let's go after this. So I think what I expected was, yeah, let's pray about that. And then we'll watch other people do that and we'll equip them. What I didn't expect was God to say, hey, your rent's going up again. And guess what? There's a church that you might be able to partner with. And so I say all this to you. Um, last Sunday, this church met, and I was really hoping that they would have a full and final vote and everything would be moving forward, and we could talk and announce and share plans and all that stuff this weekend. What they did is they met, and they talked, and they agreed, and then they said, before we agree fully, we want to meet with your team. So, okay, so we're going to go meet with them, our leadership team. Your leadership team is going to go meet with them at 5 o'clock tonight. And so I share all this to say, please be praying for us. Um, I, this has been a really tough season um, ministry-wise for me. I am pretty worn out from thinking about buildings. I am pretty sick of thinking about buildings. In fact, I've asked God, could, could we just scrap the whole thing and be in houses and like... And he said no. <laughs> um, but I'm energized by the fact that this is a story that only, I think, God can write. What, what we're talking with this church about, and, and as soon as we get their approval, we'll let you know what church it is. It's a, it's a great space. It's a great location. It's going to feel like a traditional space with our touch on it, which is super fun. Um, what I feel like is this is only a story that God could write in, in a town where most churches don't ever talk to each other. By the way, this is the first town I've ever been in when there's, there's not a meeting of pastors that get together regularly, um, that we have a church who's saying, and this is literally their language, we don't want to just be your landlord. We want to be mission partners. That's amazing. That, that's actually incredible. And so we're talking about what does it mean to share space, but also share life and relationships and help this older congregation that, that if, if we're honest, is probably, probably in their dying phase of life as a church. 
What does it look like to walk beside them and maybe give them some life to say, what if you all, with all your wisdom, could become mentors for Appalachian Impact? Or you could begin sponsoring and going with us to Ethiopia. And what can we learn from you and your ages and, and your sense of, of, of what it means to follow Christ for years and years and years? And, and so this could happen quickly. This could happen like as of September 1st um, because we don't want to just keep funneling money into this place. To be completely honest, I love our landlord and I'm very disappointed with his decision in this both. So both of those things are true. And and it's not a, nobody needs to walk out of here and blast the landlord on Facebook. Don't, don't do any of that. Like God's written our story and we're going to be okay. Um, but I just want you all to know that's where we are because I don't want to get to next week when we have agreement and everybody goes, holy cow, we got two weeks. <laughs> So we're going to figure that out. We're going to be praying for that. Um, and this is part of the journey of being the church. What I love is that we have never been just a Sunday morning church, right? It's always been about beyond Sundays. I, if I could go back, I might change that vision statement <laughs> 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 to let God just let us settle on some Sundays for a while. But for now, we're going to be praying about it.